Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! It may be because he's Swiss, I don't know, in terms of European style. I can take you to Suplex City tonight, bitch. Can you say the alphabet backwards? Walking with your ass backwards. You're not funny and nobody likes you. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio for July 12, 2016. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. Uh, a different type of episode here today. I'm not feeling well currently, so I can't talk for an hour, much less five minutes. So what instead we'll be doing is that I'll be playing the podcast I recorded with John at JNAP's Ring Wrap on the Twitter from this past weekend, right before a UFC 200. We talked all about our SmackDown vs. Raw general manager mode um, for the past you know, five years, we celebrated five years of the game on, you know, our playing of the game in GM mode on Saturday, five years of that. So we're talking part one of the podcast is going to be on the show here today. We're talking title history, our greatest feuds, greatest moments, all that other kind of stuff on the podcast here today. I was going to put it up anyway on YouTube or the website or whatever. Um, I, I think it just worked out better this way because I can't really speak today. And one last thing before I play the podcast, Wrestle Rant Radio moves to Thursday starting next Thursday, July 21st. Today is our last Tuesday show ever. So a big historic episode here today, I promise. I, I mean, I rather I apologize that... Uh, the final episode on Tuesdays couldn't be bigger than it is, but I promise we have a much bigger show next Thursday talking all about Raw, the draft, Cruiserweight Classic, NXT, SmackDown, all that great stuff. will probably be a two-hour show, but um, so it kind of worked out well. Raw wasn't great anyway this week, and there's not a lot to talk about. UFC 200 was kind of self-explanatory. It was a great show, and the Brock fight was very entertaining, but uh, anyway, so today here in the podcast, we're talking part one with John Knapp with uh, JNapp's Ring Wrap on the Twitter, our greatest feuds title history, all that other great stuff as we're recorded in the car as we're en route to UFC 200 at Buffalo Wild Wings on Saturday. So with all that being said, guys, enjoy the podcast, and I'll catch you next Thursday right here for WrestleRant Radio's big debut on Thursdays. Welcome, folks, to the exclusive podcast right here on NextAirWrestling.net. Probably going to end up on the YouTube channel at some point as well. Graham G.S. and Matthew sitting alongside the one, the only, the illustrious, my bookings partner in crime, Mr. At JNAP's Ring Wrap on the Twitter machine, John Napolitano. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Graham. Every time I'm with you, my uh, introduction gets longer and longer and better and better. So, <laughs> tonight, today was great. That was awesome. Good job. <laughs> Good job. And uh, we've got a great we've got a great talk ahead of us, a great podcast, great uh, special edition podcast with something very near and dear to our hearts, Beast Booking. The five-year anniversary, sir. Our SmackDown versus Raw. And this sounds random to, I'm sure, any casual viewer, but anyone who has followed us closely on Twitter for the best five years or so, five years exactly through the day, SmackDown versus Raw, 2007, PlayStation 2, Play, PlayStation 2, General Manager Mode. Anyone who has never played the game before knows, anyone who has played the game before knows, this is the single greatest mode in any wrestling game ever. And you, have, uh, you, you and I have played this game mode before on our own in the years that preceded this. Obviously, do the math. Five years from now, from year, five years from today was 2011, and the game came out in 2006. Yes. So we were a bit on the uh, a, a little bit late on this and doing it together. <laughs> but I had been doing this for a long time before we started doing it together for about two years before this. But never has anyone ever played this game for five consecutive years. It's Gr- it's incredible, Graham. I, I mean. I- I think people at home really need to understand how much time, effort, energy we've put in to what what might seem trivial to you at home, but we've really created our own little world within, you know, WWE SmackDown vs. Raw 2007, and it it just keeps getting better and better every time we play with one another. (laughs) That sounded weird. (laughs) Every time we play the game with one another. And uh, honestly, you guys are in for a treat because for this podcast, we're going to be talking... All about, you know, our escapades uh, throughout SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 General Manager Mode. All the great champions we've had, the great rivalries, the great matches, some of our favorite memories. And honestly, we hope that we can inspire you guys at home to maybe become some beast bookers of your own. 
you know, go pick up the game, go buy a PlayStation 2. I'm sure they're 99 cents somewhere. <laughs> they're pretty cheap. But honestly, or even just, just to fascinate you guys, that, you know, because a lot of the stuff that you're about to hear, it isn't our, our wrestling brilliance. I mean, we don't call ourselves Beast Bookers for no reason, but a lot of this stuff is, is a matter of chance. Um, as one of our one of our staples of us playing this game for the, for the past five years is that we've left it all up to chance. We've simulated every single match, except for a few here and there, but we've simulated almost every single match, so the, the outcomes are just as surprising to us as they are to anyone else. And so that, that's what makes this game so much fun. You never know what's going to come around the corner, what's going to come next, who's going to face who, who's going to fight what, and it's just a great time. And Grandma, you, you have the best memory of anyone I've ever met, so I'm going to ask you to kick things off. Well, even before we get into that, I mean, like you said, hopefully we can inspire some people to pick up their copy of SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 from their local GameStop at the $5 bin or something. <laughs> but uh, even more importantly, hopefully inspire some listeners who I'm sure are listening, some, some makers of the WWE 2K games, to bring that fucking general manager mode <laughs> yes. for either WWE 2K17, yes. SmackDown vs. Raw 2018, that they bring back that title. But at any rate, uh, like you said... Like we've both been talking about, five years to the day, July 9th, 2011. Um, this is kind of like the whole where the whole story began here. And, but before we get before we get into the story, I just want to do one more thing. I'm sorry, we're really absolutely we're, right we're, we're really taking the circuitous route here tonight. Just imagine how many of you guys have done anything for five years. I mean, it, this is no joke. Like this is this is kind of a big deal, even though it's not really a big deal. <laughs> But I, just the fact that not only have we we played this game for five years, but we've we've and we've enjoyed it for five years. We had we've had a great time doing it, and uh, hopefully we have five more years to come. Here's hoping, and many more years after that. I mean, we've had our highs, we've had our lows, we've had our very highs, we've had our very 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 <laughs> highs, yeah. which we'll get into. And some of the greatest times as a wrestling fan have come in playing this game: SmackDown versus Raw, 2007, General Manager mode. So like I said before, the whole reason why we got into doing this, and we've played the game on occasion before, even before getting into SmackDown vs. Raw GM mode, because I remember very, very clearly, you introducing the game to me and Jackson, my brother and I, um, years ahead of that, like in 2009, you showed me a copy of SmackDown vs. Raw 07, and you inspired me to pick up the game and do my own GM mode for many years. But then after that, I got bored with my own GM mode, and I moved into doing it with you a short time later. It was just one random-ass Saturday afternoon, a lot like today, yep. where you came home from your baseball game and said, hey, why don't we play some SmackDown vs. Raw GM mode? And we're like, okay. <laughs> so we agreed, and we kicked things off. So the thing is, is that kicking things off, and we'll start from the very beginning here, is that you have to pick a show. And we don't do the thing. We could have very easily, and I'm sure anyone else out there that, that are two best friends, two brothers, two siblings, whatever, would have picked... One Raw and one SmackDown. But we did two guys, just one show. I'm sorry, I had to point out to Graham, we're passing a guy wearing an AJ Styles shirt. Oh, that, that kind of shit. <laughs> there was a guy wearing an AJ Styles shirt. I couldn't contain my excitement. I didn't see that. He was sitting down wearing an, a phenomenal one AJ Styles shirt. I did not see Continue that. Continue with the podcast. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, instead of going one Raw, one SmackDown, we both picked Raw. Yep. We did it together. Yep. Because I feel like the fun comes and not only competing against each other, but sharing ideas and doing it together. Whereas also in combination with the fact that if we did it separate shows, it would have we probably would have been by in year five by now. Doing two separate shows, and I've done two separate shows before, takes a hell of a lot longer than doing just one show together. And for those of you wondering, well, where the hell is the competition coming from? You guys are playing together, not against each other. How is this any fun? Well, there is no competition, really. We beat SmackDown every year in the ratings. We, we, we kill them every... We haven't lost yet in five years of playing, 15 years in the game. Uh, we have not lost to SmackDown once. The competition comes in trying to best ourselves from the previous year, trying to have a better year each and every year, trying to make every year better than the last one. Absolutely. And I think we've accomplished in doing just that over the past 15 years. I mean, you look at our records and our pay-per-view history, and people have been begging me for a long time now to come out with like extensive history of our shows, of our results, our title history, 
raw, like everything pretty much. People have been following along with this for a long time. I've, t I've had, you know, I've put up posts on Facebook about it and our updates in the game and people are always looking forward to that kind of stuff. And the thing is, is that we keep it fresh. Because I did my own little, like I said, my own probably 10 years or so worth of GM mode stuff, spanning from 06 to 07 in two different video games. And it took me about a year. But that's because I was playing probably like every day or every other day. Whereas you and I, I mean, even more so recently than a couple of years ago when we first started this, we only see each other, and in initially only every two weeks or beyond that. Nowadays, we only see each other maybe once or twice a month at most. And even beyond that, we're in college now. We're no longer kids. So it takes us a few times in between beast booking sessions. Yep. So it kind of stretches that out. And we try to do as much as possible within one beast booking session. So with all that being said, probably the longest introduction ever in the history of any <laughs> podcast whatsoever. But uh, we'll kick it off with the beginning. Like I said, July 9th, 2011, we kicked it off just for the hell of it. We thought it'd be cool. We picked Raw. I couldn't tell you every superstar that we had on Raw at that period in time. And also, let me let me preface the podcast by saying this. And people ask me this all the time. And how I label years, how I, how we cre how we keep track of shit. Um, we start, and the best way for me to remember it is that our first year, when you first start out the game, I call it 2001. People ask me why not this year, why not 2000? Because 2001 is year one. To do 2000 is year one, it, it would make no sense to me. 01 is year one. That, to me, makes the most sense. And the game starts off the night after WrestleMania. So I think it was we crowned a new champion on the very first night. Yes, the very first Raw after WrestleMania. John, can you tell me who that man was? If my memory serves me correct, I believe it was the Rated R Superstar Edge. He was our inaugural WWE champion, our very first WWE champion. That is accurate. Edge is our inaugural WWE champion. Retained the title at Backlash, and it was at Vengeance after a long, ruthless rivalry with this man. They lost it to him in his hometown in his own match, in a TLC match in Pittsburgh, to one Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle became the new WWE champion, reigned as champion for a few more months. It was the summer of Angle, but not for long before dropping the title on an episode of Raw. And by this point, and John and I were talking about this before we went live here, how we really had no rhyme or reason for our matches at that point in time. There was really no science to it. There was no real formula to stick to. We needed title matches on Raw, WWE title matches like every single fucking week. <laughs> so we had new champions being crowned all the time. But we had a new champion crowned in an episode of Raw for the first time ever. That's a lie because we crowned our first champion in an episode of Raw. But uh, it went from Edge to Kurt Angle, to an episode of July, episode of Raw in July, Randy Orton. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Randy Orton became champion, retained the title at that SummerSlam against Kurt Angle, but dropped the title a short time afterwards. To one rabid Wolverine. Inside the Elimination Chamber. Chris Benoit. And Chris Benoit went on to have one of the greatest reigns in the game. He held that title from September at Unforgiven to... Yes. Well, I'll tell you this oh. much. Before we get to the next pay-per-view, I want to—I I just want to give you... I, I remember some parts of his reign. Like you said, Benoit having, at that point, obviously, the longest reign with the championship to date, up to that point. And um, so he won the belt at Unforgiven inside Elimination Chamber. He beat Orton at Taboo Tuesday. Yep, not a rematch. And at that point, we had figured out that we could trade talent. So we brought in someone from the SmackDown brand who was in storyline, very good friends with Chris Benoit. That was one... Eddie Guerrero. They went from they went from friends to bitter enemies. Eddie turned on Benoit. Benoit retained the title against them on two separate occasions at both New Year's Revolution and at the Royal Rumble. And then at WrestleMania, Benoit had his first ever championship defense on the grandest stage of them all. The first ever WWE title match in WrestleMania history. John, what match was that? Against the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. And this match will always stand out to me because it was our first WrestleMania. I mean, I forget almost everything that goes on in this game until Graham reminds me because, like we said, it's been five freaking years. But this match will always stand out to me as being one of the best. Chris Benoit versus Shawn Michaels and the Granddaddy Mall, our very first WrestleMania, our very first WWE uh, Championship defense at WrestleMania, Chris Benoit versus Shawn Michaels. And then who emerged victorious? <laughs> was it Chris Benoit retaining the title which is absolute I mean I would say unprecedented and it is but um 
Retained the title at WrestleMania. Yes, he did. And so from September until WrestleMania, that's quite the reign, especially in this game. Because like you guys, what we really have to drive we home. This, yeah. What we really have to drive home is we're simulating all of this. All right, this this is all at random. I mean, of course, it seems counterproductive. If you're booking this, you should know what's going to happen. We just booked the rivalries in the match, ladies and gentlemen. The outcome is up to the game. So it's really it's really amazing when a champion can hold on to a title as long as six months. I mean, in an actual WWE, that's not you know much to scoff at. But a six month reign in GM mode, where you're simulating everything, is not too shabby. And this isn't a Dean Ambrose U.S. title right here. He's defending the belt every month at every pay-per-view, and sometimes on Raw. So that's at least four or five title defenses in the can, where Benoit, just by happenstance, emerged victorious and retained the title. But all good things must come to an end, and ultimately he dropped the championship in the triple threat match at Backlash the very next month in a triple threat match with his WrestleMania rival Shawn Michaels and this man, the rated R superstar Edge once again became the WWE champion, becoming the first ever not only inaugural WWE champion, but a two-time WWE champion. So at the event that he lost his title to Kurt Angle a year prior, he won it back against Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels at Backlash in a triple threat match. So great storytelling, came full circle for Edge. He failed at Backlash 2001, emerged victorious at Backlash 2002, and that was just the beginning for the rated R superstar. And his reign as WWE champion. So even beyond that point, and this is this is the thing, as we go forward here in 15 years of SmackDown versus Raw GM mode, we're gonna talk about the other little things that were going on at that time. So Edge goes on to have a reign as WWE champion. In the meantime, Benoit turns heel on Shawn Michaels, and they have a feud that summer. I couldn't tell you who won the match, but they feuded that summer with Shawn Michaels versus Chris Benoit. I'm pretty sure Shawn Michaels finally came out on top when the championship wasn't on the line. But in the meantime, Edge went on to reign as WWE Champion for the remainder of the summer. Pretty sure dropping the championship to one Randy Orton on an episode of Raw, if not SummerSlam, at some point in that in that history. Um, once again, becoming a two-time WWE Champion. Pretty sure it was at SummerSlam in some sort of triple threat match or something along those lines. I forgot who else was in the match. But the bottom line is that Randy Orton became a two-time WWE Champion and went into Unforgiveness Champion once again. However, for the second straight year, he fell short of victory and be crowned a new WWE champion inside the chamber at Unforgiven in the form of... Was it, you gotta give me one. Was it Umaga? It was Umaga? Was it, all right, the Samoan bulldozer Umaga. See, guys, Graham has a great memory. Mine, not so great, but I'll, I'll let you know right now. At the time, this was amazing. Umaga, because... In 2011, we're, when we're booking this, Umaga isn't, you know, he's not with, he's obviously passed, he's, he's no longer living, but... He's dead, people. <laughs> but uh, he, even towards the later uh, year, later years of his run in WWE, he wasn't a top-tier talent. So in the game, it's, it, to us back then, it seemed like we kind of revitalized the career of Umaga, and he's really had a huge part in all of this, you know, and all in the past 15 years has been such a huge talent for us in GM mode. Winning the championship inside Satan's structure, inside the Elimination Chamber at Unforgiven. A lot like Benoit going on to once again and just happen to work out this way. Embarking on a near six-month reign as WWE Champion. Beating the likes of Batista, John Cena, all these other superstars during his lengthy reign as WWE Champion before coming up short at WrestleMania to the Royal Rumble winner. And this is when we started doing the Beast Booking when we went camping that same summer, yep. you brought your TV, you brought the PS2, you booked in the cabin on a late Friday night, early Saturday morning, pretty much the entire weekend, which I look forward to doing this year as well, yep. very next weekend, very next, uh, this next weekend coming up. So anyway, um, Umaga drops the championship at WrestleMania to... Asshole! Mr. <laughs> Kennedy, who won the Royal Rumble, the 2003 Royal Rumble, mm -hmm. went on to WrestleMania. So this was one of our... I wouldn't say lackluster, but I'd say one of our more forgettable uh, WrestleManias. And I'm going to be blatantly honest. Umaga was a great champion, but Mr. Kennedy hadn't really at all ever been in the title picture. Albeit, it was great to see him win at WrestleMania. But it was kind of more, not random, but just not as anticipated as maybe one of our top-tier talents going against Umaga at WrestleMania. But nonetheless, Mr. Kennedy beat Umaga at WrestleMania, and he went on to have quite the reign as well, I'll give him that. The year of 2003 is when things really start to get interesting. 
years 01 and 02 were fun for kind of starting out, but 03 for us is the year that everything really started to click long term. And we still go back to this year in terms of tag teams, mid-card champions. We got to talk about our oh, tag yes. teams. Oh, my We've had some of the best tag teams and tag team feuds in the history of this fucking business. But anyway, we're talking about the WWE title picture. We'll go back, we'll go back to our favorite feuds and memories. It'll all kind of harper back to that at the end there. But um, anyway, so Kennedy wins the championship after winning the Rumble in 2003. His reign does not last long. He beats Umaga in a championship rematch at Backlash, yet drops the championship to Raw's newest acquisition in the WWE draft, the game Triple H. And at that point, Triple H had been feuding with Ric Flair, another newcomer to Monday nights. Ric Flair got beat in that triple threat match with Kennedy and Flair at Vengeance. Triple H becomes the new WWE champion. Triple H goes on to reign as WWE champion, defending against all comers. And then that summer, he faces his first big challenge at SummerSlam, John Cena. But he gets some help from an old rival, now turned ally, Ric Flair. Ric Flair turns on John Cena, joins Triple H, becomes Triple H's protege, helps him retain the title against John Cena at SummerSlam, leading to, once again, the third annual Unforgiven pay-per-view inside the Elimination Chamber, where the, for the past two years we have crowned a new WWE champion. And on this night, it was no different. For the first time ever, one, again, one of the Raw's newest acquisitions, we crowned a new champion in the Animal Batista, silencing five other superstars to become the new WWE champion. And this, to us, John, I know especially to you, yep. is one of our favorite periods yep. in the history of this game. Okay. Now, now it's worth noting. We got through the first two calendar years in a matter of weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. But so we had started, we had started in the summer of 2011. By the time Batista won the WWE Championship inside of the Elimination Chamber, I was a junior in high school. It was the fall of 2012. I'll never forget sitting in my first period classroom because Graham was over that weekend, and we were. I remember we were texting. Mm -hmm. I was I was in my first period class. It was 7:30 in the morning. And we were texting about how excited we were that Batista was now the WWE Champion. Coming off his great feud with JBL, who he beat at SummerSlam to earn a spot in the chamber that September, became the new WWE Champion. But again, his reign didn't last long. It's a Taboo Tuesday in one of the biggest blockbuster main events that we've had up to that point. Batista defends the championship in a triple threat match against Triple H and John Cena. And once again... The odds were stacked against the champion, and it fell short of victory. We crowned another new, new WWE champion, a two-time WWE champion, in the game Triple H. Now you got it, Graham. You got to speak about the interesting dichotomy. I was just about to. That Go right was, ahead. That was starting to develop. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was this crazy—I um, can't even. This crazy happenstance. Like, remember, this is all simulation. But for some reason. In this, in this three-way rivalry of Triple H, Batista, and John Cena. The cornerstones of our show at that period of time. John Cena was not able to best Triple H. Triple H was not able to best Batista. And Batista was not able to best John Cena. These guys have been going back and forth. And they could beat the they could beat the other they could beat the latter, but in that circle they could not beat one another. Mm -hmm. So it, and it, like we said, all simulation. And for some reason, it, for either for a year or for a year and a half, it went on that that was just the case. John Cena couldn't beat Triple H, Triple H couldn't beat Batista, and Batista couldn't beat John Cena. So you just set the tone basically for the next six months of programming. So we have a new champion crowned in Batista at Unforgiven. Triple H wins the belt back in a triple threat match by pinning John Cena at Taboo Tuesday. We have a rematch for the championship between Batista and Triple H at Survivor Series. As you said, John, Batista, in their first ever one-on-one -on -one encounter, Batista beats Triple H to win the WWE Championship back, becoming a two-time WWE Champion. A rematch is held in New Year's Revolution, once again retaining the title by beating Triple H. Retains the title at the Royal Rumble against Bobby Lashley or Umaga, one of the two. But the bottom line remains, Batista is still the WWE Champion. And at WrestleMania, he faces, as you said, John Cena. Who becomes the new WWE Champion. Because that year's Royal Rumble was not won by John Cena. It was won 
by JBL, who was also on our show, but he did not go for the WWE title. He transferred he transferred over to SmackDown to win the World Heavyweight Championship and headline WrestleMania. So instead, we had a tournament. John Cena won, went on to WrestleMania to beat Batista to become the new WWE Champion. Cena, by year four, was finally WWE Champion. For the man in real life, who's held 15 world titles, could not win the big one for many years, but he finally did so. And may I remind you, Cena is the only man in the history of our universe who has never left Monday Night Raw. He, he is the cornerstone of Raw. He is the face of Monday Night Raw. He is the face that runs the place in real life and both in the game as well. So he wins the championship at WrestleMania. The Cinderella story comes full circle for John Cena three years earlier. Was never able, was never able to win the big one despite being the first ever WWE title match and falling short, coming up unsuccessful. Wins the championship. But it's only a month later that he loses the championship to an old rival <laughs> that is Triple H. The game Triple H with some help from Ric Flair. And the game is now the first ever three-time WWE champion. John Cena's Cinderella story is over. A rematch is held. Their third ever match on pay-per-view. The first ever, probably the third match we did three on uh, three pay-per-views. Not back-to-back-to-back, but ever. Triple H, John Cena. Inside the... Hell in a cell. So the stipulation here was this. The championship was on the line. Batista beat Cena. But Triple H, or rather, Triple H beat Cena. The thing was, is that Triple H has already beaten Cena twice. He has nothing left to prove, okay? So he says this. He said, if I beat you this time, Cena, inside my structure of Hell in a Cell, your career is over. You're done here on Monday Night Raw. John and I making this stipulation ahead of time are realizing that Cena's going to win the belt back. He had a month-long reign. Of course he's going to win the belt back. But did he, John? Uh, yes, no, maybe, so. Take a guess. Yes, he did win the belt back at Vengeance. He did not win the belt back at Vengeance. But, but, but... uh, What happens to John Cena? He leaves Raw. And who do we bring in? The Great One. Or even before The Great One, we bring in... Mick Foley. Mick freaking Foley is now a member of Monday Night Raw. Who faces Triple H for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam with a special guest referee of The The Rock. The Rock. So let's backtrack for those of you who didn't get it the first time. John Cena loses to Triple H at Vengeance inside of Hell in a Cell. He's gone. He does not regain the WWE Championship. So at this point we're thinking, well, who's next for Triple H? Well, for those of you who don't know, there are a bunch of legendary characters inside of SmackDown vs. Raw 2007. They're not all indigenous to general manager mode. You have to turn them on. You have to activate them to use them. So we thought, who better to bring in than Mick Foley? Was it Mankind or Mick Foley who we brought in? Mick Foley. It was Mick Foley. And Grant. And so Mick Foley goes on to face Triple H at SummerSlam with The Rock as the special guest referee. Now, Graham, tell us where SummerSlam was held that year. Long Island, New York. Yes, it and was. that is where Mick Foley won his first ever WWE Championship. Against Triple H. So John Cena's out, Mick Foley's in, new WWE Champion, the great one, The Rock, is in the picture, and Monday Night Raw is hotter than ever at this point. Absolutely. We're bringing Rock for the first time ever. we bring in Mick Foley for the first time ever. We have Triple H and Mick Foley going at it for the WWE Championship. And they're both very much at each other at, at each other's throats, heading into Unforgiven for the WWE Championship inside the Elimination Chamber. But once again, the Chamber for the fourth straight year is no different. Six superstars, one champion. We crown a new champion, Unforgiven 2004. Mick Foley loses the championship to not Triple H, but Bobby freaking Lashley, who went here, who went heel rather, one year prior winning his first ever WWE title. And I believe, in my opinion, if I'm correct here, the first ever Triple Crown champion in the history of our universe. He was a former Intercontinental champion, one of our first ever tag team champions. And now for the first time in his young career, is a WWE champion. But the one thing, the one concept that the game does not have that John and I have incorporated ourselves is the Money in the Bank briefcase. And for the first time ever, we had a Mr. Money in the Bank cash-in the very next night on Monday Night Raw to kick off the show. And his name was... Carlito! Now that doesn't excite a lot of people. I already know Carlito was never a main event guy, never a top-tier talent in the WWE. 
So in our minds, in our ever creative minds, we imagine that Carlito was some some something more of like what Alberto Del Rio was in his initial run with WWE. That cocky, arrogant Latino superstar. He was more of a you know egotistical kind of uh, you know I'm better than you deaf character instead of I spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. And that's how he's been his his entire career on Monday Night Raw. Instead of instead of kind of the hokey apple chewing. Uh, Afro having Carlito that you all know and maybe sometimes love. Um, <laughs> so Carlito, the next after Bobby Lashley wins the WWE Championship inside of the Elimination Chamber, Carlito cashes in the very next night on Monday Night Raw, becomes a first time ever WWE Champion. All right, and to those to those of you who uh, I won't get ahead of myself, excuse me, but Carlito would go on to have a great reign. I mean, a great reign as WWE Champion. Not this reign in particular. He ran into one roadblock. And the scary thing about this, you make the comparison between Carlito and, and, and Del Rio, Alberto Del Rio. And basically, Carlito was our Alberto Del Rio. And a lot like in real life, his Cinderella story, his first ever, his premier reign as WWE champion did not last long. He ran into the roadblock that was the animal Batista, who became a new three-time WWE champion at the Taboo Tuesday pay-per-view. But it was only three weeks later on Monday Night Raw after Carlito's team emerged victorious in a three-on-three tag team match, or, you know, traditional Survivor Series, elimination tag team match at Survivor Series. The very next night, Carlito won back the belt in a steel cage match, knocking off Batista, injuring Batista, putting him on the shelf for a solid year. Batista's out of the picture. Carlito is once again the WWE champion and runs rampant on Monday Night Raw, beating Superstar, after Superstar at New Year's Revolution, instead of dropping the belt back to his next opponent, you know, playing a game of hot potato with the championship, he beats The Rock. At the Royal Rumble, he wins uh, a, a triple threat match to retain the WWE Championship. At WrestleMania, he walks into WrestleMania and walks out, still the WWE Champion. And at this point in time, which we neglected to mention up at this point, and we got to give some back history here. We got to give some. Some, uh, some backstory yes, sir. to this feud. So at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship, WrestleMania in our universe, 2005, it's Carlito versus the Royal Rumble winner, William Regal, versus Eddie Guerrero, who earned entry into the match. Now, on paper, that sounds random as all hell, and I understand that. But, John, I, in my opinion, I think, if I'm correct here, your favorite faction that we've ever done... That might have changed recently. It might have changed recently, but up until recently, it was definitely my favorite faction that we ever did because we did it 10 times better than WWE did this previous year, 2015. Mm -hmm. We had a faction called World Elite. Heel superstars from all over the globe coming together to run rampant on Monday Night Raw to, to make everyone's lives hell, all right? And Carlito was the leader of said faction as WWE Champion. But you can't leave out the other superstars who were involved in that faction. William Regal being one of them, Eddie Guerrero, and of course, can't forget the Samoan bulldozer, Umaga. So we got a four-man faction with Finley doing some dirty work on the sides as the, the illegitimate fifth man. But uh, really, the four staples of the group were Umaga, uh, Carlito, William Regal, and Eddie Guerrero. So at WrestleMania 2005, we have a triple threat match between what was, un what was undoubtedly one of our strongest factions ever, World Elite. So they implode at WrestleMania, and who comes out victorious but Carlito? But even before that, i got to get some even more back history here on the World Elite faction, as you said. It started with three men, and then Carlito later came into the picture, Umaga came, and even Kali was an ally for a while as well during the time that he was on Monday Night Raw. Um, and a few others as well, Daivari, Finley, as you said. There were a few other factors. But it started with two men teaming up as a conspiracy. They, they, they felt there was a, a conspiracy against them, you know, a lot like with Awesome Truth, basically. Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. And they took the tag team titles, and they were one of the two of the greatest tag team champions of all time, Eddie and Benoit. But before that, our first great tag team was the British Invasion. William Regal and Paul Burchill, who held those titles for over nine months, which again in our universe is a very impressive feat. So they beat the tag team. They beat the tag team of Regal and Burchill for the tag team titles. Regal ends up being the third man, and it comes down to those three superstars. Now, like you said, Carlito comes in later as kind of like the the overall leader, 
Umaga, Kali, Daivari, Finley. They're all secondary to those three, you know, core members of Benoit, Eddie, and Regal. Like I said, Regal won the 05 Royal Rumble. This is over two years later. Regal wins, wins the Royal Rumble. Benoit broke off from the group at this point, wins the Intercontinental Championship, beats Regal for the Intercontinental Championship, who by that point was the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time. Benoit's out of the picture. Eddie earns entry. He goes babyface. He turns on Regal. So we have the implosion of World Elite, as you said, John, between Carlito, Regal, and Eddie. Up to that point, in my opinion, the best WrestleMania main event that we've ever done. Regal had not been World Champion. Eddie had never been World Champion. Eddie would have been a, a, a good, feel, heartwarming story had he won on that night. But as you alluded to, John, he did not. Carlito retained the title again. And he held that championship for many more months after that. Before dropping the championship in a triple threat match of vengeance to Chris Benoit. For the first time in nearly three years, was now WWE champion once again. Only to drop the championship back for a third time to Carlito. Carlito's champion again for the summer of 2005. He's enjoying life. He's knocking off every challenger who comes up, you know, who pops up. He knocks him down. He's the most ruthless superstar in Raw history up to this point. But he gets confronted by the returning, after almost over a year by this point, John Cena, who has a bone to pick with Carlito and has his sights set in the WWE Championship. Now remember, John Cena left WWE when Triple H knocked him off at Vengeance 2003. 2004, excuse mm -hmm. me. And so now he returns with his sights still set on the strap, the WWE Championship, but this time it's not Triple H, it's Carlito, who had kind of surpassed Triple H as that over, overly cocky, hugely dominant heel on Monday Night Raw. Carlito was the man at that point. So it's, it's Cena as one of the, the top baby faces against Carlito, who had undoubtedly become the top heel in our promotion. One of the biggest matches we've, we've ever had. The leader of the C-Nation versus El Jefe. <laughs> it was a huge blockbuster main event for SummerSlam. Again, the heartwarming story. John Cena comes back, wins the WWE Championship. He felt he never lost. But was that the case, John? No. It was not the case. Cena lost. Cena lost. Again, that's C what he does best. Cena lost, LOL. <laughs> exactly. That was basically the Cena story early on in his career. He lost again. And then we get to the Elimination Chamber. I mean, crown a new WWE champion, Carlito's reign finally comes to an end. And the title for the first time in his career goes to The Rock. The Rock becomes the new WWE champion. The great one, The Rock. The great one, The Rock, who I forgot to mention, by 2005 at SummerSlam, because Mick Foley and The Rock, and they were best friends and whatever else, it became, you know, Orton destroyed Mick Foley, so The Rock instead went after, went after Randy Orton. Did I say The Rock destroyed Mick Foley? I'm sorry. Yes, you did. Uh, Randy Orton knocked off Mick Foley. So Rock came to his aid, and it was The Rock versus Randy Orton at SummerSlam, first time ever. The Rock beat Randy Orton with, this time, a special guest referee, Mick Foley. Mick, Fo Mick Foley was the special guest referee this time. Excuse me, I'm to sorry. Re to reverse the roles, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry to put you in the spot yeah, there. no problem. But The Rock, going from that victory over Randy Orton at SummerSlam, wins the WWE Championship at Unforgiven 2005, only to drop the championship in a rematch to Randy Orton at Taboo Tuesday. This time, for the championship, Randy Orton becomes the new WWE champion so that, again. So the, the title's doing a little bit of hot potato at this point. Yep. Uh, Carlito beats John Cena at SummerSlam. To retain. To retain. Goes into Unforgiven. Now, the Elimination Chamber is one of the staples of our calendar. Every year, it puts on one of the best matches, one of the most un, uh, in, like unpredictable matches. And exciting. And usually, there's going to be a new winner... Compared to the last, that's that's what history tells us. So the Rock beats Carlito, or beats five other men inside the Elimination Chamber to win his first. The Rock, yes, to win his first WWE Championship. Randy Orton comes back into the fold, beats him at Taboo Tuesday to avenge the loss from SummerSlam. This time, he takes the title in addition to getting his win back over the Rock. So Randy Orton, a three-time WWE Champion, and like you said, John, it's a game of hot potato because only three weeks after that, we have a triple threat match. Between Randy Orton, the number one contender, Kurt Angle, and Mr. Money in the Bank, who cashed in and announced ahead of time he was going to be cashing in, Rey Mysterio. But the title doesn't go to Mr. Money in the Bank, and nor does Orton retain. The title goes to Kurt 
angle. Now, Graham, did you just say we had a WrestleMania 22 rematch in our in our version in in excuse me in General Manager Mode 2007? Did you just say we had Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, and Kurt Angle competing at Survivor Series for the WWE Championship? Did yes, I hear sir. You correctly? Yes, sir. But this time we had a different winner. It was Kurt Angle who became the new WWE Champion. So Kurt Angle for the first time and. Again, Angle at this point had been a staple in Monday Night Raw for a number of years. He had probably been drafted and come back. But he wins the championship for the first time. And then at New Year's Revolution, he beats Rey Mysterio to retain the title. And at the Royal Rumble, Mysterio gets one more shot to win the belt in a 30-minute Iron Man match. Just think of how sexy that sounds on paper. At the Royal Rumble 2006, the same event in real life where Rey Mysterio won the actual Royal Rumble match. Does he win the WWE title, John, on that night? He does not. He does. Maybe. God dang it, Graham. I don't remember. <laughs> Rey Mysterio becomes the new WWE champion. The new WWE champion. And what does he do with that WWE championship? He rolls into WrestleMania as champion to take on the dominant superstar. And I think the Royal Rumble that year had been won by Shawn Michaels, who was on the SmackDown brand. So we had... Um, or even before that, let me, let me lay out what happened before that. So at the same pay-per-view that Kurt Angle won the championship at before Rey Mysterio wins the belt at Survivor Series 05. We have this storyline, okay? We have the team of John Cena, Mick Foley, and The Rock. And before that, The Rock and Cena had never crossed paths ever. First time ever that we have the partnership of The Rock and John Cena. They fall short to the trio of Triple H, Bobby Lashley, who had already been teaming up for a number of months by that point. And the mystery third partner, who turned out to be... Batista! Who returned from injury a year earlier, turned on John Cena. It appeared he was coming to Cena's aid, but in turn, he turns on John Cena, breaks his neck, joins Triple H and Bobby Lashley, who form an alliance with Randy Orton. Known and they as become Evolution. It's a mystery. They become Evolution, so... While all of this is happening, they run rampant on Raw. Um, One of our great, another, we, we've had many great factions in GM mode. Evolution, World Elite, but this this version of Evolution featured not, uh, Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton, and Bobby Lashley. Now, Bobby Lashley kind of took the role of Randy Orton in Evolution in real life. He was kind of that, that diamond we were trying to mold into the next big superstar. Remember, he had won the Elimination Chamber in 2004, but by 2006, he had kind of gone into obscurity, so mm-hmm. we, were, we were really trying to make him back into that top-tier talent. Now, Triple H, Batista, and Randy Orton were already established veterans, already multiple-time champions, so Bobby Lashley was our guy we were trying to build. But this evolution was just as dominant as the real evolution in, in real life, and they and they they controlled Raw for a number of years. Starting with WrestleMania 2006, where Rey Mysterio lost the WWE Championship to... Batista. Batista, who then embarked on the longest reign of all time, up to that point anyway, I'm sorry, as WWE Champion, longest WWE Championship reign up to that point in our GM mode. He knocks off Rey Mysterio in a steel cage match at Backlash. He retains the title in a triple threat match at Vengeance, Vengeance 2006, against The Rock and Kurt Angle. Then at SummerSlam, he takes on for the first time ever, or not for the first time ever, I'm sorry, in a WrestleMania rematch, SummerSlam 2006. So here's what happens. In the meantime, while all of this is going on, John Cena, who got taken out by the returning Batista at Survivor Series, comes back in the Royal Rumble, returns in the Royal Rumble match, and from that point forward, he makes a promise that he's going to take out every member of Evolution. He knocks off Randy Orton at Backlash. He knocks off Bobby Lashley in the summer, who, when Bobby Lashley comes back after an attack by Triple H, failed to defeat John Cena, Lashley, not Triple H. So Triple H attacks Bobby Lashley. Lashley leaves. He comes back, and he leaves Evolution, breaks off on his own, and faces Triple H at SummerSlam. So then John Cena, after beating Lashley and Randy Orton, goes after Batista, already having beaten uh, beaten Batista before at WrestleMania 2004. He feels he has the win, the title, the match in the bag at SummerSlam 2006, but he loses, breaking that ever-infamous, as you mentioned earlier, John, 
that three-way little dichotomy between Triple H, Batista, and Cena. One can't beat the other. Batista finally beats John Cena. Years later. Years later. So the, the rise of Batista was really, really something special. He, he, he's injured in 2004. Uh, returns from injury uh, a year later. At joining Evolution at Survivor Series. Turning on John Cena. Going heel. Beats Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania to become the new WWE champion and like you said goes on this monster run leading up to SummerSlam where he finally breaks the curse and beats John Cena at SummerSlam and like and like you had been alluding to John Cena he can't win the big one and, and up and up till then he couldn't win the big one I mean every time it was really he was really called upon to you know get not 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 exactly attain the WWE championship but really get a measure of revenge gain some vengeance on his on his opponent he, he just couldn't do it. So Batista beats John Cena at SummerSlam, cementing his reign as one of the best. And he breaks another record at Unforgiven when he becomes the first ever WWE champion to successfully retain their title inside the chamber. Batista retains the title against five other superstars inside the chamber, but finally loses the belt, or rather no, yes, finally loses the belt to John Cena in their third ever pay-per-view encounter, the rubber match. And uh, Batista's WWE title reign ends at seven months when John Cena finally wins the big one to win his second WWE championship. But his reign does not last long. It's a mere three weeks later who The Rock, after having going through, after having going through Mick Foley, who turned on The Rock in the summer of 2006, comes back, beats Mick Foley at SummerSlam, beats him at Unforgiven, and um, you know beats him in an I Quit match. Or rather, Mick Foley won at SummerSlam. The Rock beat him in a night quit match at Unforgiven. Beat him again at Taboo Tuesday and says, I want that WWE title. Goes after John Cena. We do The Rock and John Cena for the first time ever at Survivor Series in Miami. And The Rock dethrones John Cena to win back the belt. And this is, of course, where we use the actual real-life visual of John Cena sitting on the ramp like he did at WrestleMania 28 only having held the WWE Championship for a mere three weeks, winning it at Taboo Tuesday. He uh, loses it to the Rocket Survivor Series, so in our kayfabe, we have Cena go to the ramp, sit there befuddled at his his not, his not his inability to, you know, be great. I mean, that's that's really what it is. John Cena just can't be the great champion that we all know he could be. So the Rock wins at Survivor Series, first time ever becomes WWE, or second time ever becomes WWE Champion, first time ever Rock vs. John Cena, Rock wins. An amazing win for The Rock, but his Cinderella story does not last long either. It's the very next night, we have another Mr. Money the Man cash in, and he loses that championship to, oh yeah, Matt Hardy, who again, a lot like John said with Carlito, is a much bigger star in our universe mm -hmm. than he is in WWE, I mean, maybe in TNA at this point, but in WWE, He's a huge star for us. So he cashes in Money in the Bank after going heel earlier on in the year, beating Eddie Guerrero to win the Money in the Bank briefcase, ships him off to SmackDown. Eddie, or Matt Hardy, after all this time, pins The Rock, sends him off to Hollywood. The Rock's gone. Matt Hardy's the new WWE champion, who then loses the WWE championship to John Cena at New Year's Revolution. Now, in our universe, we like to imagine Matt Hardy is more of a AJ Styles kind of character than the actual, the one Matt Hardy. But still, Matt Hardy, nonetheless, wins the WWE Championship by cashing in the Rock and then drops it back to John Cena at New Year's Revolution. The very next pay-per-view. They have a rematch at Royal Rumble, which is won by John Cena once again. John Cena goes into WrestleMania as the WWE Champion. But he has to go up against the man who won the Royal Rumble that year and is announcing that he is leaving the WWE in Chicago at WrestleMania 2007, John, in my opinion, the greatest feud we've ever done. John Cena versus Kurt Angle, Chicago, WrestleMania 2007. Now, here's another case of art imitating life. You know, I alluded to John Cena, you know, kneeling on the ramp, unable to win the big one. Well, this time, we've got Kurt Angle taking on 
the, the role of C.M. Punk. Now, keep in mind, Kurt Angle had done everything up to this point. Like you said, Graham, he was a staple of Monday Night Raw, uh, a seasoned veteran. But he announced that at WrestleMania in Chicago, he was leaving with the WWE Championship. And up to that point, a lot like CM Punk, although he, had, although he had been world champion before, he had been a WWE champion before, he was never the guy. He was always an upper mid-card guy. He was never really a regular in the main event scene. He was just another guy. But throughout the course of this feud leading up to WrestleMania with, with John Cena, he really broke, came into his own as a main event level superstar, as a top tier talent. Having the whole pipe bomb and all right before WrestleMania. I gotta speak on this pipe bomb, guys. Graham did a great version, his own little remix of the pipe bomb. This had to be 2013, 2012 in real life. 2012, yeah. 2012 when this took place. We were in Graham's old uh, residence where he, where he used to you know, sp uh, spend uh, the weekends with his dad. And uh, Graham cuts this great promo as Kurt Angle about how he's going to leave Chicago with the WWE Championship. Except this time he was cutting it on the ramp. John Cena was in the ring after a steel cage match against, was it William Regal? Who, 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 what was it? Was, it was Kurt Angle who beat Mr. Kennedy, and who was John Cena. Yeah, in a steel cage match, a steel exactly. Cage match. Yep. He beat Kennedy, beat the living shit out of him, promised to murder him. But there was nothing they could do about it. Because Angle was leaving anyway. He, he won the Royal Rumble. He was contractually obligated to go for that championship at WrestleMania. So there was nothing they could... They couldn't suspend him. They couldn't fire him. He was already leaving the company anyway at WrestleMania. There was nothing they could do. And according to Angle, a lot like CM Punk in real life, he was going to leave WrestleMania on the final day of his contract, the final day of March 2007, as the WWE Champion. John, did he leave Chicago as champ? He definitely did. Kurt Angle, the new WWE champion, takes a title. It takes the ball and then goes Take, home. Takes his ball and goes home, just like he said he would. So now we got a problem, Graham. Now we've got a big problem. So John Cena beats Matt Hardy at New Year's Revolution 2007 to become a three-time WWE champion. All right, he takes that into the Royal Rumble, defends it successfully. At that same event, Kurt Angle wins, coming into number 30 entrant, wins the whole damn thing. Kurt Angle announces that he is leaving Chicago, WrestleMania 2007, with the WWE Championship, and that he does. So now, like I said, we've got a problem. We've got Monday Night Raw, and for the first time ever, correct me if I'm wrong, no WWE Champion, all right? So John Cena, of course, is one of the first guys we look to to regain the gold, Graham. Now keep going. Keep Bring us back, Graham. Bring us back. What, what's next? What's next? We've got backlash on the horizon, and we have this... This this devious little heel in the name of William Regal? So with William Regal, after he had after World Elite split up, he kind of broke off on his own, did his own thing, got hurt, suffered a serious back injury that put him on the shelf for almost two years at this point, okay, for almost a year and a half. But he comes back into the picture, and in that time that he was out her, he became the new general manager of Monday Night Raw. After no new WWE champion is crowned at WrestleMania or rather Kurt Angle wins the belt, he takes his ball and goes home. William Regal comes into the picture, says that John Cena at Backlash, you will get your championship rematch against me. So the devious William Regal is the authority figure, mm -hmm. and he inserts himself into the title picture, something only a heel like William Regal could do, all right, and it, guys, it was as exciting as it could possibly, I mean, this was, this was unprecedented. We were breaking ground here. John Cena, William Regal, no champion, but we're going to crown the undisputed WWE champion a la SummerSlam 2011. And that match was won by William Regal. Rather, by John by Cena. By John Cena, excuse me. John Cena regained the gold on that night. Can I, just, can I say one thing, guys, before we continue? Graham and I are driving right now. We do not have the actual <laughs> results in front of us, so I'm, I'm going off memory. Like I said, Graham's memory is better than mine. But I'll make sure that Graham includes a picture or pictures of all the title history in this so you guys can follow along as we're talking. Of course, of course. And that's going to make it a lot easier for people reading and listening and watching at home. So at this point... John Cena wins the belt. Regal wins the belt at the following pay-per-view, beating John Cena in a last-man-standing match with help from Finley, who he kind of got an on-and-off alliance with at that point in time. William Regal is now the most powerful entity 
in the entire WWE. He's the Raw General Manager. He's the WWE Champion. Who can fucking stop William Regal? Not John Cena, who lost to Regal again in a steel cage match at Midsummer's Nightmare on an episode of Raw in mid-July 2007. And before we go on, guys, Midsummer's Nightmare was our competition show to SmackDown. Now, anyone who knows General Manager Mode knows that SmackDown, our competitor, they have pay-per-views too. They have pay-per-views once a month just like us. And of course, their pay-per-views are going to do well in the ratings. They're going to take about 300 to, you know, 400,000 fans on that night. And there's not much we can do about it. We're going to lose a large chunk of our fans that night. So what we started, I believe it was this year that we really started calling it Midsummer's Nightmare. Hmm. Uh, we started putting on some of the best possible TV that we could to try and get some, keep some of the viewers from going to SmackDown, from going to the pay-per-view. So every time we are in direct competition with a SmackDown pay-per-view, we call it our Midsummer's Nightmare show. Whether it's in June or whether it's in December, it's Midsummer's Nightmare. And at this Midsummer's Nightmare, I believe was our first one that we called, and the first one we adopted the strategy, um, we, had, we, had, we had a great moment. An absolutely great moment because where were we located on this night? Well, even before then, let me just say one thing. We actually started using the Midsummer's Nightmare term. Maybe that idea, we started using it around that time. But we had actually started calling it Midsummer's Nightmare from the very get-go. Okay. We have been using it since the beginning just because... Do you know where we got that name from? Well, Sting, obviously TNA, calling Midsummer's Nightmare. Uh, Which was basically their the same exact thing. They did their own little mini pay-per-view. In the summer, in between pay-per-views. And that was in the summer of 2011. The same time that we started okay. doing our Okay, game, but, but so I, just so I don't look like a jackass, would you agree <laughs> that this was the first time we really said, like, let's put our best product oh, out? Oh, uh, of course, of course. And, and it was a great product we put out. It was in July of 2007 in our game where we were located, our Monday Night Raw, in direct competition to the Great American Bash SmackDown Summer pay-per-view. In direct competition to the Great American Bash, we were located in Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to be exact. William Regal retains the title. All is said and done. He's beaten John Cena. Nothing left to worry about. Look in my eyes. So, okay, of course, of course. We're going off the real-life angle here. They did it with John Cena and CM Punk that same summer in 2007. Basically, this feud is mirroring the John Cena and CM Punk feud, but we did it better. So, Kurt Angle comes back, still in his mind the WWE Champion, still in the record books the WWE Champion, leading to a triple threat match at SummerSlam between Angle, Regal, and Cena. Angle wins to take Regal's WWE title, slash retain his own, and become the undisputed WWE Champion. At Unforgiven, Cena wins the belt back inside the Elimination Chamber to become, at this point, I completely forgot four either. Four time was it? Four time. I must be four time. Yeah, four time W. Yeah, four time WWE champion or five time five WWE time, champion. Five yes, five time WWE champion. Kurt Angle wins the belt back from him in their WrestleMania rematch at Taboo Tuesday, and then at Survivor Series we have the epic long rubber match, the Iron Man match for the WWE title. John Cena reigns supreme once and for all to become the new WWE champion. And from that point forward, embarks on the longest reign, not up to that point, but ever, as WWE champion. A 10-month-long reign. 10 months. So finally, John Cena has kind of risen to the potential that we, we expected him to have from the beginning, but he did not. He becomes the longest reigning WWE champion. 10-month reign absolutely unreal and he really becomes the great superstar that he is and in those 10 months evolution splits up triple h turns babyface on batista and randy orton so evolution implodes we have a variety of new superstars come to monday night raw raw van dam who was once best friends with john cena parts ways with john cena wins money in the bank loses the wwe championship match to john cena mr kennedy who was also once good friends with john cena also turns on John Cena and and loses the WWE title match to John Cena throughout this 10-month reign as champion. The Rock comes back right after the Royal Rumble, challenges Cena to a match at WrestleMania, but also has to go up against the Royal Rumble winner, a two-time Royal Rumble winner, and Kurt Angle, only the second man ever to win the Rumble twice. Kurt Angle, oh my goodness. So here's, here's what we got going on right now. 
So the WrestleMania previously, WrestleMania 2007, we have John Cena-Kurt Angle, which really kind of kicked off our John Cena-Kurt Angle slash CM Punk life, or art mirroring life kind of feud. So then a year later, we did what we thought should have been kind of the main event of WrestleMania 29 in real life. We have John Cena, The Rock, and Kurt Angle, who is mirroring CM Punk in our world, in a triple threat match at WrestleMania 2008. Now, because I had always been a long, long-time proponent of the fact that the main event of WrestleMania 29 should have been a triple threat in John Cena, The Rock, and CM Punk. Of course, we had the twice-in-a-lifetime match, which was just awful. But in, <laughs> in our world, and in, in GM mode, Cena goes on a 10-month reign, and of course, WrestleMania 2008, The Rock and Kurt Angle, in what I thought up to then was the biggest WrestleMania main event ever. So at this point, we're going to try to rush, not rush through the rest of it, because we got the UFC fight coming up pretty soon, so we're going to head on over to Buffalo Wild Wings as we speak now. But from this point forward, we're in the fall of 2008, as John alluded to, Cena wins that triple threat match from WrestleMania 2008. We've pretty much been going on for an hour at this point, believe it or not. Jeez, it doesn't even really feel like it. We might have to do a part two, Graham. We might have to. Actually, you want to stop here, and then we can pick up where we left off? Would you like to do a part two? We can do a part two because well, I feel like there's so much left to talk about. We We're not so, even halfway I, I, done. We can't even do the injustice of speeding through it. But for the fans, for the listeners, for the people who've heard us drone on and on and on for almost an hour at this point, let's let's quickly go through just everything that you know. Just quickly, just the the, the highlights, the highlights from 01 to 2008. You want to run through every just, WWE champion? Not every WWE champion, but just you know the the big moments. So Edge is our inaugural. WWE champion, all right, so we, we go through a couple here and there, uh, first WrestleMania ever is hosted by Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels over the WWE championship, and you, you take it from here? Well, your favorite memories before I go on, Oh my, well, my, from that time period. Oh, okay. right, well, let's, so from, from that time period, from, two, from 2001, obviously it would be the WrestleMania uh, match between Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels, but there are just, there were, there are some great things that we can't really brush over in part one the tag teams, the stables that we had. And I, I will say, you guys you guys are in for a great treat for part two. Because I'd say 2008 on is really where we hit our stride, really where this became more of a passion than a hobby. Uh, but favorite moments of the entire period of everything we just went over, got to give it to my, my boys, the British Invasion. Great tag team. They were amazing. Los Guerreros, Chavo Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, Multiple time tag team champions. They were fun to they were fun to watch. Rob Van Dam and Kane had had a great run as a tag team. Uh, just so much, so many memories. Great stuff all throughout. Absolutely. I mean, we really revolutionized tag team wrestling without ever having drafted one woman to give the the women's <laughs> championship to. Even despite being the fact we're the Raw brand and need a women's championship, but we we've never used it once. But at any rate, like you said, the tag team division has always been stacked. The mid-card division has always been stacked. Some great stables, tag teams, Fortune, World Elite, um, Evolution, all these great stables. Well, God, God, tell them who Fortune is. God, tell them who Fortune is. Fortune was the uh, the face faction that took on Evolution for most of 06, 07. That consisted of John Cena, Ken Kennedy, Rey Mysterio, and Rob Van Dam. Great faction that was. Now we, we you could probably count the factions that we've had, like the legitimate like factions on one hand that we that we've had, like the, the great you know four plus people, and and in this time period it, it's really worldly, fortune and evolution. Those those are those are our big players in the faction department, mm-hmm. and uh, just great stuff. I mean, it, it's so much fun too when you break them up, and then and then some of them are heel and some of them are babyface next time around, and you. You, you play it from the opposite end of the field. You do a heel fortune, maybe a baby face evolution. And uh, like it's a, a faction wrestling, some of my favorite stuff. And I think we did it great. We did it better than anyone else. Absolutely. I mean, from this part anyway, from 01 to 2008, which is an appropriate place to end, which I'll mention why in a second. But from this part, favorite feuds for me, Angle and Sienna, that whole year that was dedicated to that one feud was just so amazingly well done. Um, Just from simulation purposes, I know we booked it, but the way the game played out the feud and the way that... We got to give credit to the creative that is this game, other than us. When I say creative, I mean the powers that be in the video game. 
that simulate every match result because without that, I don't know where the hell we'd be. But that makes the game so much fun to not know who's winning what matches and who's going to come out on top. Is this champion? Who's going to retain this night? How long is the reign going to last? Blah, blah, blah. And obviously we dictate all the baby face and heel turns, all that other shit. But um, other than that, though, everything is pretty much unpredictable, unprecedented, never before done, never before seen. We don't really rehash feuds unless we have to, unless, not even unless we have to, unless we want to, unless it serves a purpose. But anyway, from that port, from that part, anyway, from those, from that time period, from those years of 01 to 08, Angle and Cena, Carlito and Cena, Batista and Cena is probably one of, if not my favorite feud. That whole dichotomy that you alluded to earlier, John, between Batista, Cena, and Triple H, that whole three-way feud, everything about this whole uh, part is really exciting to me. So on that note, part one, I think, is a, an appropriate place to end with in 08, because in 08 in the game is where we stopped for over a year and a half. Oh, wow. From May of 2013, from when I left the college right after that, in the fall of 2013, and that was pretty much when we stopped seeing each other on a regular basis and every other few months or so when I was home from break. So we stopped from that point to December. The very last draw, the very last Monday of 2014 is where we picked up. Jesus. So for a year and a half, we put GM mode on the back burner and we picked up in late 2008. And that's where we're going to pick up with part two. Awesome. So, John, on that note, for a straight hour talking all this shit, it's been a lot of fun, so thank you. Thank you, Grev. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did for those of you who were even give a damn, but <laughs> so I know this, is, <laughs> this is special to Graham and I, but uh, for those of you who have been listening for the last hour, thank you. Uh, I know Graham's going to you know, post some uh, pictures of all the, all the title histories, all the, you know, the, the great matches, the great feuds that we've had, so you guys can kind of uh, get your own personal little investment going into all of this. I, I, God, I, God gum it, God gum it, whatever the old people say. I wish we, we, I wish we recorded uh, video a lot more than we actually did so you guys could have seen what was going on, going on firsthand. But uh, part two is going to even be, even be even better, guys, because I'm absolutely 100% proud of what took place between 2008 and today. We just finished uh, booking before we you know, started this podcast. So we've got a lot, a lot of great stuff coming your way. Absolutely. So stay tuned, guys, for part two coming up within the next week. I am hanging out with John for all of next weekend. Uh, for From the 15th to the 17th, we're going camping in good old New York, so we will obviously have enough time on our hands to record part two of this podcast stemming from late 2008 to present day. And hopefully by that point, we will reach the 15-year mark. We came pretty close today in November of 2014. We should hopefully reach that uh, 15-year mark by next weekend. We'll talk all about it in part two. So on that note, guys, for John Knapp, I'm Graham Jason Matthews, and we'll catch you folks down the road.